Are you unhappy with this arrangement? No. No, I I'm so grateful for their hospitality. It is more than I ever received up there. But Aquaman... Please, call me Calderam. Or simply Calder. All right, Calder. I think you are the one who is unhappy. I know you lied to King Orin. I... I do not know what the lie was about, or why it mattered. And I am certain your king did not suspect. You think lying makes you a bad man. But I have known bad men, and bad men do not feel bad when they lie. You are a good man, Calderam. Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, and today we have a very special episode of the show. <laughs> we have a very familiar voice. Uh, you should know this man. If not, get with it. Check the catalog. So, <laughs> come on, man. Let everybody know who's on the mic with me today. <laughs> yeah, this is this is Jordan Clark. Uh, I'm a comic book writer. Uh, I've got some DC work coming up, uh, Aqualad, uh, and the upcoming Aquaman number 62 and 63 coming out this week and in September. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Uh, secondly, thank you for writing these issues. <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. Um, man, so where do we even start? It's been a minute since we've talked uh, on Mike. Man, I can't even remember. It's been a minute, <laughs> but it's, it's all there. So, this the new normal. How How's everything with the quarantine life and the COVID yeah. timeline? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wild, like, I think for everybody else, it's wild. Um, you know, I am fortunate enough to have been able to, you know, keep working throughout, mm -hmm. you know, not only just comics, but also my day job. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a preschool teacher during oh, the day, cool. Cool. and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been very interesting having to, you know, teach young children mm -hmm. <laughs> over mm -hmm. the internet, yeah. um, but also just... Uh, everything going on with, with schools, you know, just trying to find that balance of, you know, obviously, you know, yes, kids need that, you know, face-to-face -face interaction. They mm -hmm. need to have that one-on-one, -on -one, that, um, you know, hands-on, you know, kind of learning, but also, like, it's not safe. So, right, right. <laughs> you know, doing what's best for them health-wise. I think everybody's health and safety you know supersedes anything else so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you know it's it's been trying in that way because i mean you, you see them on your computer and you're talking to them and you're mm -hmm. reading stories and you're doing all this other stuff but uh you know knowing that you might not be able to like actually see them for who knows how long Oof. it's been a little tough <laughs> um just generally day to day you know i've been trying to keep as as safe and sane as possible i mm. guess you know like um you know keeping in touch with friends and family and people yeah. like that you yeah. know but also like mostly just staying in the house <laughs> and uh you know trying to to keep that interesting and, and find new things to do so um so far i've been able to do that luckily okay. and and you know working uh you know both as a teacher and you know on comics and yeah. projects have, have kept me pretty busy but um, you know, it's it's difficult. You know, still still black. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, 
it's it's been a lot you know these last couple of months just uh you know trying to keep perspective trying not to get sucked in mm. too much in terms of like you know that doom spiral where you're just yeah. kind of watching things happen yes. and feeling like you don't have any power over things God, yes. um but you know it's 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 also been great to see not only just the activism you know people protesting in the streets and speaking up but also just the um you know it's black people are resilient and we've been through a lot and mm -hmm. we're still here and mm -hmm. we're still going and <laughs> um you know to see just how uh how strong everybody's been mm. um you know even though being strong isn't necessarily a requirement right, right. it's okay to, to feel it deeply um but you know it's it's that's that's kept me going and, and lifted me up just looking around and, and seeing everybody mm -hmm. you know standing strong and supporting each other so um oh. you know i i'm i'm hanging in there <laughs> good i'm i'm, I'm glad to hear that because it it's 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 been it's been a, a roller coaster um i've been meaning to do like a kind of a check-in episode maybe just kind of seeing how creators are doing but i i myself have been like highs and lows sometimes burnt out yeah. sometimes feeling energized and whoo yeah it's it's, yeah. it's heavy <laughs> i think that's the most important thing that i've learned through all of this is just like i've I'm really bad at saying no to stuff mm -hmm. and people and like, you know, being, we look at it as being selfish when mm -hmm. you say, ah, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't have anything planned, but I right. just would rather not mm -hmm. talk or hang out right mm -hmm. now or, you know, do whatever, but it's necessary because, yeah. um, you know, you, everybody has their own kind of individual bandwidth mm -hmm. of what, you know, they can give to other people. And mine is, not as high as others you know yeah. what i mean like I, i'm probably more of a natural introvert than anything else but um you know you need to be able to kind of regroup sometimes and like even though you know you feel like man you know i'm not here for other people or i'm not doing this or i'm not doing that like you can't do anything if you're not together yeah um so you know anytime that i felt that i've kind of gotten too close to the sun mm -hmm. you know, I've taken that step back and just you know not really done anything it wasn't even like I you know worked out or you know did something yeah. productive or constructive but more so just kind of said I'm just going to turn my brain off yep. Yep. however long I need to in order for me to kind of get back mm -hmm. I, you <laughs> preach it to the choir man honestly because <laughs> oh, it's, it's been a lot but uh, speaking of like turning off your brain, relaxing, decompressing, let's get into some of these like quarantine hits. Like, what are some things you've been watching or reading or, or uh, taking your your free time? Yeah, it's uh, so it's been a couple things. Like, I I'm bad about binge watching shows. Okay, like, it's just one of those things where like once I've watched three, I kind of feel bad. I don't know why. <laughs> like, you know, it always. It's again. I think it goes back to just generally, you know, before you mm -hmm. know, COVID and, and and lockdowns, and you know, you kind of actually having the free time to do yeah. stuff. Like I always felt like, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm commuting to work in the morning, mm -hmm. and I'm coming back, and I'm doing all this other stuff, and like you know, and the time that I have to myself, you know, I should be doing X, Y, and Z, yeah. or working on X, Y, and Z. <laughs> yes. uh, and now that you know that's kind of dissipated a bit, and there's more time to kind of you know 
relax and yeah. have downtime. Uh, you know, it took me a little while to kind of get out of that okay. headspace of like always being like, oh man, but it's like three o'clock and I should like, <laughs> I haven't done anything yet, you know? Um, so, I mean, like everybody, I, I watched Tiger King. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, I, I, like in terms of watching things, I think this is kind of the progression for me. Like, at first, I, I tried to get into some shows. Mm-hmm. Like I watched, so I watched Craig of the Creek, which I love. Yes, and I'm, and I'm up to season two of Craig of the Creek now. Um, and because I don't know if anybody else felt like this, but you know, it, in general, mm-hmm. with all the streaming, you know, services, mm-hmm. it's just like it's already a lot. Yes. So just on in a normal situation where you're just trying to figure out what you want to watch, mm-hmm. if you have Hulu and Disney Plus. And Amazon Prime and mm-hmm, Netflix mm-hmm. and like all the other things. It's already just like, damn, like, okay. But then you know when it's like, oh, I actually have time to watch all of Lost, mm-hmm. or like oh, I have time shit. to watch, you know, like all of these. It's 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 still it still feels daunting. Yeah. So like I've kind of bounced around. So I watched, I watched like all of Jeopardy. Okay. Uh, and then I watched like all of Chopped and like all of uh, Iron Chef America. Yeah. And like. You know all these different cooking shows, and then me, me and my sister, uh-huh. um, and then me of a few other friends have watched. Me and my sister are watching terrible movies, <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> me, me and another friend are watching. Uh, just we're, we're kind of going back and forth and choosing, you know, different films. So like me and my sister have watched. Uh, I can't even like we're kind of we're going through like the how did this get made list yeah. and like uh, <laughs> uh, the house list. And have just watched like some terrible films. I think the next thing we're going to watch is Blackula. Okay. Because uh, I've been I've been meaning to watch that for a while. And not that Blackula is terrible. Uh huh. It it's like the worst movie, but like it's not good. <laughs> uh, but it's also it's one of those movies that I feel like um, it's just it's fun because it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the last movie me and my my other friend watched, we watched Hoop Dreams. Okay, uh, which I hadn't seen it in a while, uh, and that was the first time she had watched it. Yeah, um, so that was cool. Um, I just got a PlayStation Four like before everything. Yeah, happened. so I was like, finally, you know, I can like you know play all these games. So I've been playing like Injustice Two. I finished mm. Spider Man. Mm. Um, I'm getting into. Uh, like I want to get uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. And I want to get. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Avengers game. Like I don't know. It's like Ghost of Tsushima, Avengers, because uh, then like Cyberpunk comes out soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still haven't played Red Dead Redemption Two. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to like, I need to start getting back into some of these games. Yeah. Some stuff. Um, and then I'm I'm always reading books, so I've read like a bunch of different novels. I read a I read a string of like African mm-hmm. novels, or novels by African writers. Yeah. Um, so I read uh, Freshwater uh, and Stonehouse and um, Ooh, what was the other book? Well, I read I read a book of short stories called uh, What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky. Okay. A lot. And um, I'm reading this book now called uh, "A Orchestra of Minorities," mm. uh, which is also very good. But I mean, it's like it's it's great to kind of you know read all these different books. I think 
because I, I listened to this Toni Morrison interview where she was talking about, um, you know, having, like, getting away from centering whiteness in her yeah. work. What, what helped her do that was by reading all of these different African authors where, you know, it's, it's like it's just black people. Mm-hmm. And, it's just, and it's not like, you know, something where it's, it's um, like, oh, it's, it's like it's different because it's black people. Mm. But because it's just black people, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and, and, the, and the view and the vision and, um, you know, the lens is, is just focusing on black people, mm. um, written by black people, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's those things where, um, you know, it, you don't lose anything, right? Like, you still have these full, rich characters and these, these very fulfilling narratives and all of the stuff that you would get from... Uh, you know, a war and peace, or a catcher mm-hmm. in the rye, or you know, all this other stuff. But like, it's about us, right? <laughs> right? Right? You know? um, and you know, it's been great to read those books too, where you can just kind of like escape into these worlds, mm-hmm. but also like these worlds that reflect you mm-hmm. and you know where you come from. So, yeah, um, that sounds phenomenal. <laughs> um, I I want to say I caught a piece of that interview just via Twitter, like maybe a minute or two. I, I think I, I might know what you're talking about. Yeah. But now that you bring that up, there was a clip posted on the TV Guide's Twitter account. This was like maybe a day ago about it was five black women, Erica Alexander, a.k.a. Maxine Shaw included, um, Keisha, Keisha Mays. I'm not familiar with her, but she was the interviewer. But discussing black characters who are on a show versus black characters who are written with black people. Okay, hold on. I think I'm not saying that right. A character that is written and that is casted as black versus a character who is written as a black character. And it was like a two-minute clip. I literally watched it like maybe an hour or so ago, and that feels... Very in line with 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 again not centering the whiteness in your work. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. The hill that I die on is representation, comics related media, and that spoke to me <laughs> so sure. fucking hard. Well, and and the thing about it too is, you know, when people hear that, they say, oh, you know, so so you, you don't like white people, or you just don't want to write about white people, or <laughs> and that was, you know, with the Toni Morrison clip, what she was saying is, um, you know, all of her books that she had put out up until that point, I forget what book it was where she finally like wrote a, a white main character, but like, um, you know, she was saying, you know, critics of her books, you know, specifically one critic in particular you know, was asking, you know, she's done all these wonderful books and, mm-hmm. like, told all these wonderful stories, but when she's going to get into, like, the real hard work of, you know, discussing, you know, race and, and blackness in America. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, so what you're saying is that, um, you know, it's it's somehow harder or more worthwhile or, like, there, there's more value placed on stories about white people or mm. stories that center whiteness mm. as opposed to stories about anybody else mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and when you when you when you look at it like it, it's it's the same argument that, that happens time and time again mm-hmm. where it's like you're, you don't lose anything right. by having stories with 
you know, not only black main characters, but that are that are told from a black point of view, that are told from a Asian point of view, mm-hmm. that are told from an LGBTQ point of view, mm-hmm. um, because you have literally the rest of history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to choose from, if you yeah. want to read anything else, like majority of history as we know it today is told from a white lens. So, yeah. like, if you want to read that. It, it's not going anywhere. Nobody took it. it away from you, you know. And it's not it's not going anywhere in the sense that people are going to stop doing it. Like mm-hmm. you can still read it. People are still writing shows, books, movies, everything mm-hmm. from that point of view. But when you add in all these different points of view uh, and all these different voices, not only does that open certain media up to other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at like theater, yeah. Uh, you know, if you have more 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 stage productions by you know people of different backgrounds yeah. you know, told from those backgrounds that opens theater up to a whole lot of people who are like oh i never saw myself mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. now i'm here now i feel like i want to go see a play you right. know, where i never wanted to see a play before right right um and you know the same can be done for for comics for mm. tv shows for podcasts for mm. you know all kinds of other things or it's just like oh like i never saw myself in this position before mm-hmm. uh but now that I now that I am, like I'm very interested. Like I want to see what this is about. Yeah. Um, and so thinking about that, you know, for me, you know, in the work that I want to try and do, I I, I kind of took that to heart just because like it's not even that it's um, it's not even that it's like oh you know I have to like really like train my brain to mm-hmm. think about it. But more so that because it is the the learn default, yeah. Like it's very easy to just kind of like mm-hmm. fall back into it, yeah. And, and and you have to kind of catch yourself sometimes, or you're like, oh yeah, like why is that character here, or like why do why why do I need this moment, yeah. Like is it adding anything to this, or is it just fulfilling, you know, this kind of uh, narrative that people expect to happen, mm-hmm. you know, because this is what happens in every other book, yeah. Um, or can I get rid of that, and do I lose anything, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I think uh, I need I need to watch the Toni Morrison documentary that they put out mm-hmm. I think earlier this year because uh, I missed that when it was in theaters because I think that was like right around when things were starting to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I I um, I really you know that conversation that you were talking about, I think you know resonates especially when you think about. Like when you think about sitcoms, right? Yes. I mean, obviously, you know, we talk about uh, living single, being you know, black friends and mm-hmm. like the original friends. Uh, but you also think about you know so many other sitcoms where I think I forgot who I who was saying this on Twitter, but like they were going back and just watching all the sitcoms, and like you can tell uh, mm-hmm. the the point in every sitcom's life where you know they got enough notes on not having black people in there when mm-hmm. like random black people just start showing up yes <laughs> you know yes. like the best friend or like the co-worker mm-hmm. or the you know the one-off love interest yep. or you know whatever where it's just like oh yeah it's like season six there's black people in yeah. new york city yeah. or los angeles mm. or you know, wherever we <laughs> <laughs> yes yes god you know, when you when you think about that, and just again, how like how easy it, it would be to just have a black person on the writing staff. I mean, not even just. I mean, obviously, like, um, you know, to say, oh, like, so you're the black writer, and like your job is to write the black person. Mm. So like, please do that for us. Uh, you know, not to limit to them to that, mm-hmm. but you know, if you're trying to open it up uh, and bring more diversity to your to your show, yeah. 
Which honestly, I mean, that should be like in the pre-production, like before the show starts. Damn. I mean, yes. <laughs> think about that, but, but if 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 you're if you're if you're taking these notes, like I never watched Girls, but yeah. I know you know that was a big contention point for a lot of people, where mm-hmm. they were just like, oh, I mean, you know, like this is if, you know this is Sex in the City updated for a new generation. Mm-hmm. Sex in the City also didn't have a lot of people. Not at all. So if you're trying to do this again, <laughs> you know you're making the same mistake that they made. Yeah, for um, one. And you know when you when you try to like throw, I think they threw Donna Glover in there at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, well, this seems weird. Yeah. Now that this is happening. And yeah. It's, and it's like a big thing. You know, it's not like just a regular, you know, cameo or like storyline. It's mm-hmm. like. A lot of focus on it where you didn't focus on this at all before um so i I definitely feel that you know in terms of you know watching shows and being like huh yeah (laughs) yeah i guess this is happening now yeah yeah i've been i've well for a while i've been kind of hyper aware of how we appear in certain media but specifically like you said like looking at something like girls or looking at any sitcom over the years where it's like yeah now let's Let's bring a little bit more color in here and seeing how they're written. It, a lot of times you can tell if it was just like written. This is Samantha. She's just a Samantha character. And then again, if they've infused some blackness into it. And it isn't even like stereotypical neck rolling and, you know, whatever other stuff. But just like intentionally writing this person and getting feedback from other people. Yeah. Just in a way... Um, like a black woman wrapping their hair before going to bed like something as minor as that like you can tell yeah "Mm, yeah Yeah. well and it's the same thing i mean you know going back going back and watching a lot of these movies uh that i watched with my sister Mm -hmm. like you forget (laughs) how homophobic the 90s like just things that i'm just like Oh, like I, you know, I, like I know I remember this movie. I don't remember that part though. Like that, uh, way out of left field, yeah. and just these little moments where you're like, <laughs> "Why? Like, why did that even happen? What like, was that the was just point? So bizarre." <laughs> uh, so you know, the same thing goes for queer representation on you know sitcom. Yeah. Just like, mm. and here's the gay friend, you know, who's gonna you know come on and snap and you mm-hmm. know, do all this other stuff. Comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No uh, substance. For, you know, in, in certain instances, some shows die. Mm-hmm. Over, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. All these other things, and um, you know, it's just kind of like you can you can write characters who don't fit into the quote unquote norm. Mm-hmm. You know, normal backgrounds as people because yeah. they are people, and you know, like take note of what is specific to them and their mm-hmm. backgrounds and their culture mm-hmm. uh, but also like keep them like write them on the same level you're writing everybody else yeah yeah it just takes a little bit of research and a little bit of reaching out I think a lot of it really upsets me um, when I see companies or brands that'll say oh you know I, I wish we could have you know a black woman do this or a queer guy do that and it's like you're on twitter the space where you literally just have to say hey we would like a black writer we would like a woman like there's so there's like 
Twitter to me is the concentrated version of the internet. You have so many brands, so many um, uh, labels, so many different types of people, and they're just a hashtag away. Like literally, yeah. even if I wanted to research like a Republican character for a book, I literally can put in <laughs> Republican Trump 2021. And I'm sure I could find a plethora of ideas, images. So it's the fact that it's that easy but it seems like they're making it that hard yeah blows my mind it blows my yeah mind. well and you know even so you have twitter but all the social media and but all these content spaces right you have spaces like twitch yes youtube uh you know instagram you know people have used instagram mm-hmm. and tiktok and all this other stuff to mm-hmm. kind of show you like oh i can create Yes. Like I can create, you know, these things. <laughs> I have X amount of followers. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, you know, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see it sometimes, like, you know, Issa Rae yeah. uh, was able to parlay that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, the women from Broad City were able to kind of parlay that. Like, mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. these opportunities where people, even really, you know, uh, Donald Glover, you know, from, oh, for uh, sure. uh, you know, from his early days and, you know, all of the sketch comedy that he was doing mm-hmm. online, you know, that kind of turned into opportunities yeah. for him to get, you know, certain places. So, like, it's not even unheard of, you know, for mm-hmm. people to go from, you know, the internet to, you know, these larger platforms. Mm-hmm. But that it, that's always the easy excuse of, like, oh, but where can we find <laughs> somebody? And it's just like, I mean, you honestly, you don't even, like, you could just ask somebody. Yeah. Like people know people. All of them, you know? yes. Like it's 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 not it's not that much of a stretch to mm-hmm. go over here and, and find folks. But you know, I think a lot of corporations obviously have been operating just fine at a profit level for yeah. so long. Like you know, it doesn't really feel necessary. We'll yeah. see what it is now. You know, when everybody's got Black Lives Matter, you know, stuff Ooh. going on. It's that I think that's the most fascinating thing to yeah. me from everything that's been going on because I've seen certain commercials. And I've just been like, but what does that mean, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I see a Sprite commercial that tells me that Sprite is supporting black creatives. And I'm like, but how? And yeah. who? And can you show me? The receipts. Are <laughs> they? Yeah, that, yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I mean, that's great if that's true. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I want to I wanna see it. You know, right, I want right. to see what, what you mean by that and how that manifests. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're out here and it's not, and we, and we want to create and we want to work and we've got stories to tell and, yeah. you know, it's really not that much of a stretch to just, you know, give us a call and mm-hmm. see what's up. Um, mm. Mm. you, <laughs> yes, yes, damn it. Um, and not to bring the conversation down too much, but even thinking of that, you have actors and actresses who, um, are are working and aren't even getting credited in these like sound bites and these um, uh, quick um, uh, links that are being shot out like the titles of like uh, I don't know if you're caught up with Umbrella Academy season two mm-hmm. okay um, Allison oh her name escapes me the actual actress playing Allison for some reason I saw a something tweeted out and it was like the actress in Umbrella Academy but they didn't list her name. Um, I know Cree Summer dealt with some of that. Um, what's the name from The Craft and from One on One? Oh yeah. Um, oh, man. oh, forgive us, audience, but you know, like <laughs> it's okay. So, kind of taking a left. Do you watch Shameless? Uh, I've seen some of it. Okay, I'm not caught up. Okay, the then latest. we're not. 
Okay, well, how about this? What? How did you... And it doesn't have to be too deep or it can be, but how do you feel Allison was treated in this season? Like, did you like her story? Did it make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's probably indicative of, you know, a lot of things that we're hearing where, you know, you're, you're in these situations um, in these different... Because, I mean, even just... I didn't watch any of the, like, the Archie stuff mm-hmm. on CW. Oh. But, like, just hearing, like, you know, <laughs> how, how people are coming out, uh, you know, after the fact and yeah. talking about, you know, what it was like to work on those shows and, mm-hmm. and be in those environments. And it's not even... Um, because I think a lot of people think about, like, racism mm-hmm. and think about, like... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of this treatment as like, well, nobody called you like a nigger. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody like you know did anything like very, um, you know, direct yeah. to you. Like you know, like it wasn't it wasn't that. But I think specifically in like corporate environments, specifically in you know these very like high pressure environments where uh, you're you might be the only one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, you know, for a lot of actors and actresses, we think they have say-so and power because they're on the show yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. But unless you are, like, literally the star type mm-hmm. of character, mm-hmm. oftentimes, like, you can't really say, hey, don't say that to me. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, hey, this yeah. storyline that we're engaging in right now is, a, like, is problematic and I'd like to have a conversation about mm-hmm. where this is going or, mm-hmm. like, why my character is doing this or saying this. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's, it's very easy for them to say, oh, you're a problem. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you don't have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you have the reputation of being a problem. Yeah. Uh, specifically for black women, it's like... Yeah. That's maybe the end of you as a working actress. Mm-hmm. You know, once, once people identify you as a as a problematic, you know, person on set. Yeah. You know, which, again, like, the difference between problematic uh, when you hear about, you know, certain... I mean, even, like not to like single out somebody like a Christian Bale or mm-hmm. like other people but like or it's like a Jared Leto yeah you know where it's like you're hearing about people like mm. doing crazy things outlandish yes yelling at people making you know the work environment hostile for people mm-hmm. uh, but they're still you know the marquee name and they get the check and more work afterwards yeah and comparing that to a black woman saying you know, it seems weird that yeah. yes. <laughs> you know, yes. my character would do X, Y, and Z, and then people say, "Hmm, you know, I don't. I mean, you're you're kind of making this difficult for us." And, you, mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, there's a huge gulf between those two, and so, um, you know, I, I'm I'm I don't know if it's I don't know if I want to say that I'm happy to hear you know people coming out and, and telling these stories mm-hmm. because it's sad to hear these stories yeah. that make you feel bad. But I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad that there's more awareness of it. Because mm-hmm. um, even I watched this uh, Viola Davis interview that she did. I don't even know how long ago. But mm-hmm. she's basically talking about, you know, like the recognition that she's oh, gotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, well, you know, wait a minute. Because, like, I've been working for however many years, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, not just in film but on television on Theater. stage you mm-hmm. know like i basically have an egot you know i've done all this stuff people call me you know the black Meryl street uh you know but but 
you know, I'm sitting around, Taraji's sitting around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Octavia's sitting around, and you know, we we gotta, we still have to get work. Yeah, you know, what I mean? like we still have to go out and like pursue opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't coming to us, you know what I mean? In that way, where you know, Meryl Streep has a movie almost every year. Yeah, you know, what I mean? but I'm. I'm sitting here having to create like I made how to get away with murder like mm-hmm. I made like I made these opportunities for myself mm-hmm. um, you know and it seems kind of weird that you know I would have all this acclaim and all this noteworthy success and yet you know when it comes time to cut a check when it comes time to you know say you know who would be great for this role you know mm-hmm. and all this stuff like still after all this time you know thinking that Viola Davis of all people has to right. not even necessarily audition but like people aren't actively creating roles for her mm-hmm. you know with, with her in mind and say you know like I'd love to do something with Viola like what can we do yeah. to like get a, get a movie with her mm-hmm. or a show with her um, you know and I think that still speaks volumes about in terms of just general media representation uh, you look at the top of the top, you know, the people that have, have gotten themselves into these spaces. Mm-hmm. And, spaces. And, and even again, like, um, uh, I love John Boyega and like, you know, the fact that he came out and, you know, said all the things that he said, yes. but it was like, this might be the end of my career. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he's saying, speaking out against racism might end my career. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Yes. It's crazy. The world um, we live in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I still I haven't caught up on the recent uh, season of Shameless. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I, if you have thoughts, I'd like to hear them. Oh yeah, I have several. So um, <laughs> if you've seen it at all, you know that there is a the youngest child is a black actor, and they explain it that the mother somewhere in her lineage, like maybe a grandfather or a grandmother, was a black person. And so all the, they have like six kids that are white. He's the last one. And he is a black presenting boy, dark skin and all. And I, it, it's been whatever. It's been touch and go for the last like nine seasons or so. But this current season that I'm watching, they deal with race. And initially it feels very good. Um, it feels like they're doing a really good job. Like they're addressing things in a way that it could very well be like the whole Black Lives Matter pressure, but at the same token, because of the chaotic energy that the show gives on a regular, I felt like, okay, maybe this was already planned. And they, without giving too many spoilers, the black child kind of becomes more aware of his blackness and the way he maneuvers through like learning about himself separating himself from whiteness like all that makes sense but then they get to a point where they introduce a black male figure who is like um kind of helping him through and that's for like two two maybe three episodes and then they switch it and it goes back to this very it it feels as if they had people in the writer's room that were intentionally like doing things to make stuff make sense. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, fuck this. Now let's go back. And, and, and so uh, I want to give the show a pass because it's all trash. Everybody's terrible. But at the same time, he's literally a token in his own family. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
the white family members are terrible, but that's just by nature of them being a terrible, terrible people. I don't think they're terrible because he's black, but there is one instance where he is like mentioning his blackness and they're brushing it off. And again, with the show, I don't think it's intentional to say fuck black people. It's more or less like, yeah, you're our brother. We're, you're black. We know this, whatever. And he keeps fighting for acknowledgement. And so that's where I started to be like, okay, they're doing this right. Like he's, he's, he's looking for even if he remains with his white family, which why wouldn't he? That's his family. He's still looking to be, um, to see himself and what it is to be him. Because I'm around all these white people all day long. And I, I really, I hate that they did such a great job for a few episodes. Like, I don't know. I just, I hate the way they handled it. And it really, to me, felt like, um... It didn't feel like a publicity stunt, excuse me. It felt like it was natural with the show, but it's just, it's like you, all of the advancement that you gave us with this character and this development, you just shitted it away, like yeah. in one scene. And I, I was just, because the, the climax was this father figure literally yelling and cursing at this boy. And I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Like, you're showing how terrible he is because he's one of these people, but it, I don't, mm. But yeah, I had to really reconcile with that after I watched it because I'm like, man, what are you? This is a young black boy. Yeah, this show isn't for children, but whatever. Kids watch every. It's the internet. They can watch <laughs> anything. And I don't know. I'm like, me being so damn sensitive to the fact. I'm like, what about that one black kid that gets adopted by a white family and they see this? It was just a whole like train of things I was thinking. But I just I wasn't happy with it versus the the Allison stuff I felt they handled that a bit a little bit better but I hated it (laughs) I mean I I think that brings to mind too we'll we'll flip it and I'll I'll ask you a question I'm I'm, I'm curious about this just in terms of moving forward like I feel like we're gonna see a lot of shows that aren't equipped to deal with race (sighs) try to deal with race and or introduce elements of race yeah or, you know, black characters latinx characters you mm. know all these different characters um and specifically you know the upcoming season of brooklyn 99 they mm. said that they you know scrapped everything that they were going to do and went mm. back to the table because they want to address certain issues mm. but then you also have terry cruz as a star of that show which is gonna you know make things all the more difficult Diff- yeah. um but, you know, in terms of, of you know, representation moving forward, mm-hmm. um, I guess these are these are kind of two separate questions. OK, but like so one, you know, how do you how do you see these shows, specifically these cop shows, specifically shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which are like funny shows mm-hmm. right, about cops um, and that's going to be a, a very tricky space to navigate. Yeah, very. Uh, how do you how do you see those moving forward? But then also, when you when you talk about you know stuff like what was happening on the, the recent uh, season of Shameless, you know, one of the things I've also been been grappling with and trying to figure out how to you know make more present in my stories is just the idea of of black joy and just black people mm-hmm. living. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because obviously, like the things that feel so immediate and necessary are well look at these injustices and look yeah. at all the things that we have to deal with every day and look at all the things that 
you know, historically have been erased or ignored that, you know, are still, you know, being perpetuated through, you know, media, but also just like historically, like uh, even seeing, you know, like Tulsa be brought back to the forefront because of Watchmen yeah. you know, and not anything else. Um, so, you know, like you see, you see how uh, impactful media can be mm -hmm. in that way. And, you know, by bringing, you know, the stories to the forefront, even a comic like Bitterroot, Yes. Where you know you're getting all of this, you know, historical content, not only in the comics but then also in the back matter, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it feels very, very relevant to today, even though we're talking about things that happened, you know, seventy, eighty, yeah. you know, ninety years ago, yeah, um, and uh, you know, th those are very important. But then the necessity of just like. You know, we don't have to yell at black people or like mm -hmm. hurt black people mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yes. have bad things happen to black people. You know to tell good stories about right. black people. Like we can also live and do things that everybody else does. Yes. Like also to wacky hijinks, it might look a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You know, but like we we are uh, we we are not only capable of that, but we also deserve that to see yes. ourselves in that way. Uh, so those are two very different questions. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, I'm with it. I um, I think for the cop shows, they need to pivot. Like, do something different. Because it, I don't know exactly what it might be for me personally. I would say move to something else. Do a, a, a show about a firehouse. You know, do something about... Because yeah, it's, it's not... Um, the show being a cop show, that's like the kind of the framework for it but i'm sure that show could work if you did it in a hospital or in an elementary school or in, so i don't i mean the company's gonna do what they want but i would say scrap it like what's the point like i i don't um that's for me um i think if they're gonna go for it with their show i think you do have to be intentional on uh the types of jokes you're telling and the framework of your episodes uh because even with comedy sometimes i think we run that risk of oh it's just comedy but you're still sending out these and amplifying these damaging messages um if you are arresting somebody from uh robbing a robbing a woman of their car and it's still a funny gag but then that person is a big tall dark-skinned black man and it's a petite white woman with blonde hair and blue eyes you're, you're still subconsciously sending this same message um if it's goofy hijinks why are we not getting stories from the actual um what are they called switchboard operator the 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 911 oh, yeah. phone like you got you got to be different you got to be different because at this point what what makes brooklyn 99 different from any other show that's a comedy that's like is it is it the actors that's making it different is it the stories that you've told so far like you have to find a way to approach it from a different angle um, with, especially with Terry Crews being attached, like you have to, you have to know you can't please everybody. But if he's going to stay on the show, you have to be cognizant of there's going to be a group of people you are going to alienate, and is that worth it to you to keep him on? And if you're going to keep him on and try to address some of those things, are we going to change his dialogue? Is he going to be a whole nother person? Are we going to address the shit that he's been saying? Not directly like Terry Crews said this, but like <laughs> within his character, are we going to discuss some of these tweets and ideas? Um, because I feel like everybody, you can have your own political ideas or whatever, but when you have a platform, that's when you have to be very aware of how you're getting your message out and who to. Because it can secure the bag and it can fuck up the bag. 
Um, so with the with Brooklyn Nine Nine specifically, and other shows that are like cop procedurals, I think you have to go above and beyond. Um, because I know a lot of times people, I've heard the excuse that cops fear for their lives, like actual cops out in the world. Well, that's the job you signed up for. If my job is to take calls at a call center, I have to know the risk with that. The risk I could get fired. Um, someone could make me upset on the phone. If I'm a cop, I'm carrying a gun. I may have to be in a high energy situation with somebody who could potentially kill me. Oh, I can't look like it. you have to assess the risk with your job. So I think it's the same thing with those types of shows because you're you're presenting an um, image, albeit happy go lucky. It's it's still it's still an image that's on TV that is getting into so many households and this adds to um, the things we see online the things we see in the news and whatnot it adds to the way people think about certain groups of people so like you said back in the 90s when every gay person was snapping their neck rolling their eyes and the only serious storylines was HIV storylines that's how you get so much ignorance when it comes to queer characters you get people upset and, and mad at moonlight for portraying a a queer relationship or friendship or whatnot in a way that's like oh the kids you the kids shouldn't see that well ma'am you had no problems when low down dirty shame had that boy with that you know blonde mohawk smacking his lips with his white partner you know so so that's my answer to question one. You have to do a bit more digging, deep diving, and you can't just talk to black celebrities. You can't just talk to these black people of a certain tax bracket that, though they know they're black, still have a different lived in experience than those of us who are consuming your shows. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what was the second question? <laughs> that point like do you make terry cruz a black supremacist on brooklyn 99 is I'm, that his new i mean <laughs> i lean into it you know if, if he, he he put up an acronym of cool like he explained coon like how can you not bro coon so i just i don't know i just I, they're gonna do what they're gonna do but i think it's very important to be kind of hyper aware of the images you're sending out because yeah. and then add in more divert like I don't I've seen the show a couple times I don't follow it but give me an Asian character give me a disabled character like add in other elements that could bring in more viewers and be genuine with it if you have someone in a wheelchair have somebody in the writer's room who is in a wheelchair who can tell you the ups and downs and the nuances of being in a wheelchair and working in an office you know so yeah yeah I mean Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been great up to this point in terms of you know dealing with with a lot of different issues Mm -hmm. so you know i feel like they have the capacity to Mm -hmm. do it but also like a combination of terry cruz plus just like the general there's no real way to have cops just be like goofballs anymore yeah i mean like it's going to be a little weird if they're still you know doing silly goofy hijinks mm-hmm. you know in the midst of doing their job you know when the realities of their job have become more apparent than ever yeah like, you know the kind of things that they contribute to you know whether they're you know a b-cop or a detective or the mm-hmm. captain you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh so we'll, we'll see how that goes um, 
the second question was just about Black Joy and media and like oh, you know yeah. obviously the necessity of all of the stories that we tell, mm-hmm. but you know having that balance of also just us being happy and living and and all of that. Yeah. Um, I think that comes from, like we were saying earlier, getting black creators, getting black people in your writer's room. Issa Rae, back in 2012, had Awkward Black Girl. That's when I started watching. It's blown up. She's going through so much. Now we have Insecure Season 4 that just ended. Um, I think we you need to give us space to fail. We should have campy shows like Empire. We should have the new age drama comedies like Insecure. We should have the uh, basketball documentaries. We should have the slave narratives. And we should also have the science fiction ones. I want to see a a buddy stoner comedy with two black women. Like, give me Mm -hmm. more. Give me more than just just, um, the slave narrative and just the downtrodden single parent welfare queen cracked out black men like give me more than that if those are incorporated in some of the stories sure that's life but i i hate when there is sort of an olive olive branch given or an opportunity and then when it doesn't go the way you want to be in comics tv books or whatever it's like oh well we tried it and it didn't work well when i walk into the bookstore and there's 12 superman comics and he's a white man and we got batman on 40 other books and we got wonder woman but then there is vixen right there there is jaime reyes blue beetle like you have all these different characters who you could put in the forefront but because this vixen number two didn't sell as well as number one which didn't sell as well as superman number 12 then we have an issue we should be allowed to have those failing numbers and still get that work that our counterparts do. So um, I think that it comes down to having something like a BET type of, um, not network, but allowing more shows to be made, good, bad, or ugly, and... Mm -hmm. Getting back to the 90s and before, where we have black exploitation, we have the Martins, the Living Singles, the um, In the House, the Fresh Prince, the um, 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 shit, countless others. Hell, Gullah Gullah Island, you know, yeah. like there needs to be black programming throughout all genres. Give me a science fiction, Star Wars, Star Trek type post apocalyptic story where there's black people who live, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a matter of getting those images out there and not crying uh sjw forcing diversity down our throat which how is that even a bad thing um i'm all for black representation all day long but if you give me a show about a white woman and it's a good show with a woman led creative team i'm gonna watch it like Mm -hmm. that doesn't negate suits and all the other tbs shows with nothing but white men at the front so it's it's just about getting those um black stories out regardless to how they might um now you want to do what makes financial sense but if you're not putting the time and energy into like we said developing a show okay we got viola davis we got taraji let's even say megan good we liked her in a few stuff and then we got um i don't know miguel miguel wants to start acting if you know it's easy to create a show for them 
Like, it's easy. People pitching stuff all the time. I can pitch one right now. Them four are all a family. They um, live on the fucking moon. And they were stranded there after, in their timeline, right after slavery ended, black people were sent to the moon. Like, I mean, it's, it's just anything. It's not that hard. And it's just, it feels like people make it more difficult or they put in all these, this gaslighting and these different uh, kind of roadblocks. Like, oh, I would do this, but, or you are the black Meryl Streep. Well, no, that Viola Davis is a whole fucking person in her own, with her own resume. So, to answer your question, <laughs> more shows. More properties greenlit and backed for black people, mm-hmm. for disabled yeah, people. For, hmm? I had a conversation similar to that, you know, earlier this week, where you know people were kind of talking about what it was like. I mean, you know, in the '90s, we definitely had all those shows, and mm-hmm. then you know, coming basically when UPN ended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those went off the air. Uh, but you know, specifically when it came to movies, it was just like, well, every year you get one. You know, here's like in the '90s, like here's your Wayne's Brothers movie mm-hmm. of the year, or like Bad Boys. you know, Eddie Murphy eventually was just in movies. Yeah, you know, they weren't necessarily considered black movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, you could go see you know like a lot of different things, but typically we got like one or two. Yeah, you know, movies a year, and if you didn't like those movies. Well, you weren't gonna get another one. So yeah. you better choose what you're into. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think now that we're in, you know, this this kind of uh, like I want to call it a renaissance, but I don't even know. Like, I don't mm. know if I want to like, you know, not necessarily put that much weight onto it, mm-hmm. but also like it just feels like what should be, yeah. right? Uh, so so, but you know, you got all this. I mean, you know, Jordan Peele's out here, mm-hmm. Mr. Ray's out here, mm-hmm. Donald Love is out here, um, you know so many different people are, are doing so many different things um and you know now you kind of have that choice where you can say you know what i didn't really like that show yeah and it's okay that i didn't like that show mm-hmm. because uh you know there's gonna there, there's gonna be another show yeah but there's also all these other things for me to choose from mm-hmm. uh and like you were speaking about towards just the opportunity to fail like you know i, I always think about something like after earth mm. where it was like Oh, I guess black people don't like sci-fi, and it's like well, we don't like bad movies. Yes. So that's why we didn't go see After Earth. Yes. You know, if we want to see science fiction, like we we want we want this, just yes. not like this. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you 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 have all these opportunities now. You've got you know Lovecraft Country coming out. Huh. And, uh, mm. You know all these different like we're we're moving in between genres. Like I can't wait for Candyman. Fair. Uh, yes. Yeah, I can't wait for you know a lot of these other things. Antebellum. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think it's a matter of, like you're saying, one, like allowing that breath. Because the other thing, you know, I've thought a lot about recently, too, is that because there was only one or two, so much pressure was put on yep. it to be not just good, but like amazing. Yes. I mean, it had to be the best. Mm-hmm. And like, it's okay if something's just average. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not everything has to be revolutionary. Not everything has to be groundbreaking or change the world. Sometimes the thing can just be okay. Yeah. And it's okay to be okay, but, you know, for so long, black people couldn't be okay, because if you were just okay, that means that you weren't getting a second season, that means that, yep. you know, your, your, your comic was getting cut short, that means yep. that, you know, that that's the only novel you got to make, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, uh, and so, you know, having more, you know, not only to represent the diversity within the diversity, you know, like all the different yep. backgrounds and interests that black people have, just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. We're all different things. We don't all want the same thing. Right. Some people love Tyler Perry. 
you know, they're big in the church <laughs> and they want to see those stories, and that's great, yes. and there should be stories for them. Mm-hmm. Other people don't respond to that, yeah. you know what I mean? And it shouldn't just be like, well, you're all the same, so you should all like mm. this, you know? It should be like, well, you know, I find that to be fine, but yeah. I would rather watch something else. Right, right. Um, I'd rather read something else, so... I think that is a big part of, of allowing those narratives to open up is that, you know, you just, as a consumer, you have choice, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but also as a creator, you know, you don't have to feel like if I'm not making yeah. the best thing that is, I mean, you should want to make the best thing you can possibly of make. Of course. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if my movie isn't Malcolm X, you mm-hmm. know, if my novel isn't Invisible Man, mm-hmm. if my comic book isn't Christopher Priest, mm-hmm. Black Panther Run, if my... You know, like, yeah, no, yeah. If I'm not making, you know, songs in the key of life, like, you know, I, you know, what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. You know, Cause it feels like it has to be that every time, because uh, you don't know if you're gonna get it next time. Yeah, when it's clear that it's like, oh, you know, I'll, I can get another opportunity, even if, you know, this isn't the best thing I've ever done, or mm. you know, there'll be other, uh, you know, things around me, so I'm not the only one mm-hmm. that year that you know it feels like there's extra pressure on it, right? Um, you know, it definitely opens things up. Who work twice as hard as your counterparts? <laughs> We've been getting that 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 little lesson our whole lives. You have to be twice as good. Huh. But yeah, um, uh, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So no, clearly I agree wholeheartedly. This is this has been this has been something. Um, let's uh, kind of pivot a little bit. <laughs> so Aquaman sixty two. Yeah. 62 and 63 actually so um family business okay um tell us something what's up what's yeah. <laughs> what? uh yeah so I'm, i'll be writing the next two issues of uh, aquaman um kelly sue deconic is, is finishing up her run mm. um but you know there was an opportunity there you know for me to kind of sneak in and, and tell this jackson story yes uh before everything wraps up so um you know, Jackson Jackson High, for people who may be familiar with him, is, is Calder from mm-hmm. Teen, uh, Young Justice. I was about to see Teen, Teen Titans. <laughs> he's in Teen Titans in the comics. Yeah. He's in Young Justice in the comics now, too. But, you know, I think a lot of people recognize him from Young Justice. Yeah. You know, the animated series. Um, so it's kind of similar, kind of different. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still Black Manta's son. Um, you know, he's still kind of, you know, being mentored by Aquaman. Uh, but you know, there's there's some differences in that. Uh, I think in Young Justice, you know, he's from Atlantis. Mm-hmm. In the comics, he's from Zebel, which mm-hmm. is where Mir is from. Um, and you know, he in the comics, he he's grown up on the surface. Uh, you know, raised by his mom. You know, kind of in New Mexico, out of the way. Mm-hmm. Hoping, you know, Black Manta doesn't show up because there's no water around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> You know, kind of just live live his life, and he's also you know a, a young gay teenager. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think I think he he I haven't seen the latest season of Young Justice, but I'm pretty sure he's got a if not a husband, at least a boyfriend. Right? Okay. Um, no, I haven't got. I have no. I'm I'm behind as well. Okay. So, <laughs> listeners, let us know. That, <laughs> when I've heard that's what's been introduced. So um, you know, but in the in the comics, I think originally he came in the new fifty two. And he had a girlfriend, and you know all this stuff. But when he came back in Rebirth, um, you know he was he was presented as a uh, as a gay black teenage superhero. Yeah. Um, and you know he's been in Teen Titans. 
uh, up to this point, but you know, once that team disbanded, he kind of went his own way, mm-hmm. and Kelly Sue brought him back in for you know her run of Aquaman. So I'm getting the chance to kind of tell the story about Jackson, uh, which is you know revolving around basically his relationship with 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 two generations of men in his family. His, yes. Uh, his father, Black Manta, who was obviously a notorious supervillain, <laughs> um, and. Uh, you know, Aquaman's like maybe his his number one arch nemesis. You know, next to Ocean Master. Right, right. Kind of neck. Um, and then his grandfather, which you know, comic book stuff you know, going on. <laughs> so his grandfather, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of interest in history because the grandfather, it the, the story's been told a couple different ways, mm-hmm. but you know the way that it usually shakes out is that Aquaman unintentionally killed uh, Black Manta's father mm-hmm. you know, in an attempt to get revenge on, on Black Manta very early in his superhero career um, and so you've got that little twist where, you know, Jackson is, is being mentored by Aquaman but Aquaman also, like, killed his grandfather and that's kind <laughs> of like, you know, a seed there, but also um, you know uh, his, his grandfather was his consciousness was brought back by Lex Luthor and put into this giant mech robot, like mm-hmm. this, almost this Gundam type, you know, mech robot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not his grandfather, literally, but it is, you know, everything that made his grandfather put into, you know, this artificial intelligence right. inside of this giant robot. So, you know, Jackson is meeting his grandfather kind of for the first time. Like they had it like a somewhat of an adventure before, but like mm-hmm. this is the first time we're actually spending significant amount of time together yeah um and so you're kind of getting the story of of three generations of black men and kind of how not only you know you look at something like generational trauma how that gets passed down throughout Mm -hmm. the family um and you know a thing like toxic masculinity and how it gets passed down throughout the family uh but also just the story of you know family in and of itself right and how you know those things function and work where uh, you know, specifically Jackson and his grandfather are, are two very different people coming yeah. from two very different times. Mm-hmm. There's a big generational gap there, but there's also just a general life experience gap there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they 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 kind of come at it, you know, to this point where it's just like, you know, specifically Jackson wants to make this work, but yeah. like, how do I make this work when, like, you're, you clearly don't, see me mm-hmm. you know and, and you clearly have these expectations for me that are not me and like I, I want to love you and I want to you know have this relationship with you but like is it worth it to keep pushing things if it's clear that you are not yeah going to to, to see me as as who I am yeah you know, as a full person and mm-hmm. always kind of see because you see it you know when you have uh you know family members not only who have been through trauma but you know that that kind of unlived potential and, and them trying in their own way to make sure that people don't make the same mistakes yeah. but pushing in a way that is not helpful you yeah know what I mean like you end up pushing those people away further rather than you know kind of imparting those lessons so mm-hmm. there's there's that button of the heads between the two of them um but then there's also like you know monsters and like you know yes. all, like all their kind of comic book stuff stuff's blowing up yes and and all that so that's kind of the, the crux of the story is that Jackson is 
is is brought into the scheme that Black Manta has. Yeah. You know, in order to to repay a debt, um, and then also you know is is brought in you know to work with his grandfather, and is you know the the final layer is all of this leads him going back to Zebel, which is a place that not only has he never been to, but has no connection to because yeah. his mother was uh, it was an outcast. She was kind of set aside because of her relationship with Black Manta. Um, you know, she was she could never go back. Yeah. You know? And so like she never really talked about it. So he's never really seen it or know any, doesn't know anything about it other mm. than, you know, what he's been able to piece together on his own. So mm-hmm. this is kind of like a big homecoming moment for him to finally see where he comes from, you know, after all these years of wondering about it. So there's there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, you know, it is a superhero story at its you know, at uh, on the surface, you yeah. still get all the cool, you know, powers and fight sequences and all that. But I really wanted to give it a, another layer underneath to kind of, you know, bring together all these different elements of Jackson's life. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I think you did. And I, I say that confidently because I have not been reading Aquaman. So reading this makes me want to continue. Like, the cliffhanger was great. The mm. actual relationship between Jackson and his father and his grandfather I loved every panel like every single like from the fight with his well mm, from the disagreement <laughs> with his uh, father and then the the reaction like the have the fact that his grandfather is not um, doesn't have a physical body but it's more of a machine so having to even when disagreeing with him, having to address him in a in a very different way than your physical father that you can touch, yeah. I really enjoyed that as well. Because mm-hmm. at first I was reading, I was like, okay, what am what am I doing? Because because I haven't read, been reading Aquaman, yeah. so I was like, okay, what am I looking at? What am I? So I went through the first couple pages, just like glancing, and I went back and started reading slowly. And it's like, honestly, it's a very beautiful story, and I think it's one that doesn't get addressed well or often um and then keeping it specifically with the men in the family not that women aren't important but i think um a lot of times if you get a tv show or movie book or whatever it's like the whole family the drama that they've been through i think soul food where it is majority women in that family you know big mama is the one that's the matriarch and the patriarch so to have this like family discussion drama addressing trauma and it just be these three men I, I honestly i enjoyed that on its own like in itself but all the other shit around it like the comic book of it all the yeah. monsters the mystery the ending and then the the friend that's met yeah like i think i'm pretty about it we can talk about okay. it. I want to talk because I, I, I've, been, I've been holding it back for all this time because I haven't got to talk about it yet. So we can definitely go there. Okay. If you want to do that. Uh, how, how, how do you say his name? Highway? Highway, yeah. Highway. Oh. I didn't see that. Again, I think I'm smart. I think I'm a pretty smart guy. But because of the way I was just been conditioned with media growing up, I knew that Jackson was queer. But I just, it did not register to me that, oh, yeah, you could have just a regular meet cute with two guys like this like so when it when, look I, like okay so now i have to read going forward i have to start reading aquaman um 
Yeah, this was uh, that meeting, and them both being these two capable men. This, uh, a lot of it. I just okay. Hold up. <laughs> I feel like a child seeing myself on screen. <laughs> so let me take a step back. With Jackson meeting this guy. Me thinking, okay, now he about to have to kill this man. Like, there's no way that this man is finna let Jackson into this damn city. Like, there's no way we're not ending this without a battle. But for it to be this, like, I can show you the world-ass moment, I was like, oh, bro, this is what two guys... This is why I'm so adamant about representation in comics and related media. If I'm going to see this issue on screen someday, bruh... This is worth the price of admission. This is worth, what is it, three, four dollars that comics are now? Like, this is worth it. I want this. Um, at the, first of all, the creative team, great. I think the art was amazing. The colors were great. The inks, everything. Like, I'm for it. Jackson's hair. Um, he he's. I appreciate that he looks like a black man and not a white person that with brown skin. That, that for one. Um... I can just think of it. Then this complexion. Uh, Hawaii, what is, is is he just a brown person under the Or is he spo- supposed to be specifically like Hawaiian or something? Or does it... Yeah, we're going for kind of a Samoan look. Okay. Uh, obviously, you know, everybody's in love with, with Jason Momoa. Yes, Aquaman, yes. So we wanted to you know, play a little bit of, of love to that. But also, well, y'all, y'all did that. Y'all did that. Yeah, just yeah. thinking of... Just thinking of because I, I haven't got to talk about Hawaii yet, so I'm excited to go. I love him. <laughs> this, this, yeah, I think you know, uh, the, the few things that we, we definitely wanted to do uh, with representing that character is one, um, you know, like obviously Zebel, uh, mm-hmm. and because one of the one of the weird things about the Aquaman Man movie that I will say is that you look at Atlantis mm-hmm. and it's very white. Yeah. There's a lot of white people. Those shots where you show in the crowd, and it's just nothing but white people. Mm. I don't know if that was intentional, or if that was just the extras they had, or mm. what. Um, but we wanted to add more diversity to the world of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, Jax's mom isn't from Atlantis. She is black. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've seen a couple different you know variations of people from Atlantis, but having. Um, you know, Hawaii being, you know, a, a Samoan, you know, person, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you, when you see a lot of representation, usually, you know, we get, we get black people, we'll get Latinx people, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll get a few Asian people, yep, yeah, we'll get less South Asian people, mm-hmm. uh, even less, you know, indigenous people, mm-hmm. and then, you know, other groups, whether they be like Inuit, or they mm-hmm. are, um, you know, Samoan, or Polynesian, yeah. um, you know, like less representation of that right mm-hmm. like i mean it's, it's it's not really often that you get to see them so we definitely wanted to do that uh and then we also wanted to make him like he still looks good but he's not your typical you know i guess physically body position. yeah <laughs> yeah you know he's not he's he's a thick boy yes he a ripped boy <laughs> uh but we, we thought it was important to have that too just so that you know you're able to see a character who doesn't look like what you typically see mm-hmm. in, you know, a lot of stories, um, but also, you know, kind of have his personality be, 
you know, something that, you know, can play off of Jackson, you know, because he's, he's very playful with Jackson. Like, mm-hmm. He's kind of teasing him, and, uh, you know, he wants, he wants to know about him, but it is kind of, like you're saying, that, that kind of meet-cute where, uh, you know, you're both kind of, like, really eager to, like, share and learn about each other, mm-hmm. but you're also just kind of, like, in the moment, you know? Like, like you're like, wow, like, this person is... Uh, you know, they're, they're pulling me in in a way, and, like, I don't want to blow it, so I don't want to say something right. dumb or, like, be an idiot or mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, but also, like, I want to impress them and show off and do all this stuff. Uh, but also, like, I just want to hear them talk yeah. you know, for a little bit, you know. And, and so there's a little bit of that, you know, shyness initially, but also you'll see teasing a little bit of the next issue. Like, Hawaii is a very capable person mm-hmm. in his own right. Uh, you will see all the things that he can do, um, and I'm I'm very happy, you know, for that. But also happy to just have like a genuine queer relationship, mm-hmm. you know, play out. I think a lot of the times, you know, you you'll see these relationships either as a result of like trauma, yes, or like Lord. you'll see these relationships as a result of just like. You know, like, they don't get the attention and the texture and the detail that, you know, a lot of other relationships get. Like, it's just kind of, like, uh, a thing, specifically with, with, with younger people, too. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of, like, a lot of it's either played as a fling or played as, like, um, you know, something that's not really that deep. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, they're just meeting each other, so it's not, like, you know, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> a, a love tale for the ages. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted it to play out in a way that felt real and natural uh but also like was sweet like i thought it was important for it to be mm-hmm. um you know handled like in a like oh like, yes you, you know swimming, swimming together you know, <laughs> having a conversation you know yeah uh and, and kind of just that initial uh kind of like shyness and and awkwardness mm-hmm. around each other um so yeah i'm su- like i can't wait till people read it you know because i really want to see not even just how people react to it, but like, um, you know, having having the opportunity to kind of introduce a love interest for Jackson, yeah, who is kind of like it's it's an interesting thing where like if he had just met a boy on the surface, mm-hmm. you know, like that's cool, yeah, and, like you know that's the thing that can play out for sure, but, yeah, or if he was dating like another superhero, like that's also cool, but having him have a relationship with somebody from the one place that he was never allowed to go, yep. having him have a relationship with somebody who, you know, like, he can't really just freely leave Zebel, you know, like, he's kind of there, mm-hmm. uh, so it is kind of like this, um, wow, like, this might be the, like, this might be the one, also, mm-hmm. I might not be able to see this person, <laughs> yeah. you know, later, so, like, there's a certain sense of urgency to it as well, um, so I, I really wanted to play on all those different elements for them. Um, but but really just you know I, I can't say what goes on okay. from this point after <laughs> you know in, in, in terms of like you know I did my two issues okay so, yeah you know like I would love to see that relationship continue mm-hmm. on you know past these two issues because I think there's a lot of potential there okay and I and I love Hawaii. Uh but um, you know for these two issues specifically like I really wanted to give people something they could they could relate to yeah. but also um, you know, kind of plant seeds for for what could come later on. Yeah, I I, I think you did that. I think I I enjoyed this. Um, <laughs> I think the passage of time 
I think that was really good. Well, one, overall, the whole book, I think, for me, that doing kind of a flashback where it's like, oh, this happened last week, and then seamlessly moving into present day, I think that was great. Then specifically with the two of them, Jackson and Hawaii, the 2040-hour, like that quick passage, it's quick because I'm reading it, but knowing that this conversation has been going on for about an hour, like it's, if... I love this issue. I'm trying to say more than that. <laughs> I'm trying to give more than that, but I really did. Um, the difference in complexion, I think that was perfect because, again, that so many times a character is drawn and then they just have a dark skin on them. I think things, too, feature-wise, complexion-wise, everything was spot was great. Um, I think the conversation was playful and good. It felt a lot like... Um, there was a post I saw going around Twitter where it was saying, like, being gay is having, like, your puberty coming out, um, like, experiencing your, what should be, like, teenage romance in your 20s because you've been delayed. Or, and that's kind of what it felt like, yeah, or, like, adjacent to that with this whole, like, oh, this person, this could be a thing. Like, it... Well, I think, too... One of the things I really like, two things I really wanted people to take away from these two issues is that Jackson is black and Jackson is gay. Right? Mm-hmm. Like those are those are two things that are indisputable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of those things you can very clearly see. One of those things, you know, it has to kind of be addressed in yeah. the issue. Um, but you know, I know just from you know countless conversations I've had with you know um, you know queer friends is that growing up so much of what they had to do was just reading into things Concept, yeah. kind of making things work mm-hmm. you know getting close but not not quite you mm-hmm. know things never really quite explicitly stated and so you know off jump like you learn if you didn't know Jackson was gay you know it within like the first four or five pages of the issue mm-hmm. and then if you didn't know Huey was gay you know it within like the first yes. two pages of where you see him yes and it's, it were not dancing around it like it's it's right there mm-hmm. you know there it is like uh and you know I, I felt that was very important to not kind of introduce this character and you know jackson is kind of looking at him like i wonder yeah you know? and then there's a whole issue of like hmm maybe you mm-hmm. know maybe by the end of these two issues something might happen mm-hmm. it's like immediately here you go yeah you know i mean like don't have to wait for the next issue to have questions answered for you like we'll give it to you explicitly right here mm-hmm. explicitly not like explicit but right like explicit right right like, <laughs> i'm saying it <laughs> yeah you know out loud uh for everybody to see and and we we felt that was really important just because um again just knowing that you know for so many it's it's always been kind of like mm-hmm. a okay like a mystique and yep. destiny yes you know kind of you know i wonder maybe mm-hmm. they're, they're everything but um, and you know, I, I I think it was wasn't it Sailor Moon where like two characters were like I believe so yeah, cousins, but like you know it was like they're pretty close for cousins like I yeah. wonder what <laughs> what's happening there yeah uh, you know we didn't want to leave you with that we wanted to get right into it so that you know mm-hmm. we could we could play off it and develop it you know for the next issue yeah well I I definitely appreciate that because it's, it's honestly it was honestly a shock it was a very happy surprise. Again, I thought they were going to have to fight to the death or he, Jackson was going to have to convince him, you know, trick him into letting him leave. But that, 
that honestly made the comic for me. I enjoyed what I was reading so far, but it's one of those things where when you don't see yourself for so long and then you do, you kind of attach to that. Much, I'm sure, like that's what people's experience with X Men was. Like you finally mm-hmm. seeing Outcast, and here we go. So this, um, and much to your point, we get right in there. There is no um, gray area on will they, won't they, and I like the, and it's very which I hate that this is even being said, but for people who are so always upset about diversity, about inclusion, and about what about the kids, there's nothing here that if they were a, a man and a woman, it probably wouldn't play exactly the same, but I can see this being played out where there's nothing that is explicit. There's no sex. Like, it's just a, a, yeah. a nice meet-cute and a wonderful getting to know you and then some comic book drama. Like, this is the the drama, the dramatic shit that you want when you get a comic. So, I, I really appreciated that. I'm looking forward to more of it. And I'm hoping to see this on screen. Like, okay, come on, DC, when you get your movies together, incorporate this, you know? So, man. Yeah. Y'all did that. <laughs> Honestly, y'all did that. Um, I'm excited for the next issue, just to yeah. see how you know things work out. Um, that's 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 how you want to that's how you want to <laughs> do it. You know, bring them in, hook them in, make sure they come back for the next. Yes, one. God damn, yes, yes. Um, and then not even like okay. So my mind is racing. Once I got to the end of the issue, I was like, okay, well, if they get out of this, if they don't, whatever. Like, in my, I'm now trying to create scenarios where okay what is going to happen i have this whole month to wait what could possibly happen and um that on top of the generational issues that that you guys um do a really good job at presenting i'm i'm invested to the point now where it's like i want to see you in issue 70 are we now (laughs) at a head where black man to dad this is my boyfriend and like what happens from there and also the disrespect, first of all, fuck Black Manta. What did he say? Something about um, pretty much how uh, Jackson, you soft, but of course you are. Look who raised you, yeah, sir. <laughs> I will split your throat. Like the anger that I felt, I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Now <laughs> the disrespect. So I, I, I think you put in enough. I say, mm, I don't. I say it lightly, but like triggering things for me. Then I was like, oh, okay. I was emotionally invested almost immediately. So, yeah. Kudos. <laughs> Appreciate Fuck. it. Yes. Um, I don't know. Um, Zebel in itself, uh, again, I was never a diehard Aquaman fan. So, a lot yeah. of the lore is new to me. I'm still learning. Um, I will say, I think you did a really good job. Even if you had, if, if this same story was written exactly this way but you weren't attached so listeners I'm not just saying this because you're on the show it would still be something that would make me interested and make me want to read Aquaman not even for more of Jackson which of course I want that but you're giving me something that I didn't ordinarily get through Aquaman so this makes me want to go back like there was something that was mentioned I believe it was a war or a battle um jeez thought I made a note of that but it kept referencing that battle and I was like okay well it might not be Jackson heavy but now I want to know the battle of Amnesty Amnesty Bay I want to see what is this about Um, 
I just think this is a really well done issue and wonderful that we're getting a second one like to kind of follow up but if this had mm-hmm. been the only one this still to me was good like thank you I'm, I, I want more but if, if it had been like okay we're just getting this one kind of Jackson story and then we're picking yeah. up with Aquaman this is still really good thank you um I, I don't know I'm, I'm just not at this point I'm just a stand I'm just a stand <laughs> um the color, I have to harp on the color, focus on the color. Jackson's complexion, because Manta is in a full black bodysuit and his grandfather is a machine. Again, seeing this black man with brown skin, with varying shades of brown, the light hitting him a certain way, that's very important for me. Very. And I think... Yeah, that's, uh, that's Romulo Ferrado. Well, kudos. That's the color, so, so he he did that, and I, I greatly appreciate that. No, yeah, this is because I, I think when we get characters like we get a black man, or we get a mystique, or we get a character that, or like a Piccolo, where we assign blackness to them, even though we know black man is black, but you <laughs> don't see, you don't see them. Like mystique is blue with red hair. Um, you could easily say, oh, she's you know put a race on her. Um, much like you can with Piccolo and other characters who are anthropomorphic or like have a, a primary color skin. Um, so again, really, Jackson and Hawaii are because I'm. I mean, at the beginning we get a photo of Aquaman and we get what is this? Uh, um, t- yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get my thoughts together. <laughs> yeah, they're at the royal wedding, so it's him and him and Tula. Yeah. Uh, but you can see the difference, and I that that's yeah. always been important to me. Because again, going back to comics of of the golden age and whatnot, where it's like this just looks like you drew a person and just put black skin on them. So I think that's important. Mm-hmm. The features, the color, the hair, um, even if the art itself isn't to you, you as a listener, this isn't to your like liking. You can't deny what's being done here because there's some um artists that i just i just don't like aesthetically what it looks like but i'm i can rationalize i can um i can separate my like or dislike for it to see what's going on so any listeners who might not like the art or like the the color or whatnot you can't deny what's being done here like this is Mm. I don't know, man. I'm a fan. Yeah, everybody, everybody involves, you know, editors, uh, you know, Marco, Romulo, Clayton Cowles, like everybody who worked on it did uh, an incredible job. Mm -hmm. For me, it was just a dream come true to be able to work with, you know, so many talented people. Yeah. Uh, So I'm, I'm very proud of, you know, not only the content of the story, but just the, like, what it, just the whole package of it, you know, Mm -hmm. everything, what it looks like. Um, you know how we're able to put it together so I, I can't I really can't wait until people get to read it and, and check it out Ugh, same because I want I want more fear I want to know what other people think <laughs> um, and this honestly makes me want a Jackson story like I same. knew that was coming <laughs> I, I want an ongoing yeah. with him because yeah. um, if you if we take this as like a backdoor pilot like there's so much to be explored this generational stuff this um romantic stuff are we doing long distance do I visit here do you come up to the surface my mom like how do we deal with her and her being banished and then the economics of Zebo like the fact that Hawaii is like yeah I 
I would have been, what do you say, uh, some kind of farmer, but this yeah. is like the best job for me. Like, it's that we're still in this fantastical underwater world and you still have some relatable issues. People who are stuck in their small towns or don't yeah. have the degree or the talent or whatever to get out. This is a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> I I don't <laughs> like I don't know. This is a lot. Like it it's it's really I want more. Yeah. <laughs> Past this I mean, next issue, I want more. Hopefully we're gonna get it, you know, because I, I I love Jackson as well and like mm. would love to see these adventures continue. Yo, no yeah, same. Same I, I, it's it's only to me elevating the Aquaman story. Um, I think when you when you can write a story um, or you can write in a title and it's not it's like a it's like a good movie. Like yeah the movie's good. You yeah. want the, the B plot to be just as strong as the A plot. You want, you know, the cinematography to be there. Like I think it's really good because again, though I want a Jackson story, reading this makes me want to go back and revisit whatever is happening in Aquaman too. Um, so I think y'all did a really good job. Um I, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm t- I'm trying to turn my my, my standing off. Uh, so when it when it came to this story, like how, what was the process like? Not the specifics, but was it like this is the story I always wanted to tell? Was it like this is the direction we want you to go? Kind of work with it. Like how was the whole the actual getting this story getting the story out? Yeah. Um. I think you know it was it was kind of a great opportunity here because um, you know again Kelly Sue had you know this this really big you know dramatic final arc kind of playing up mm-hmm. and uh, you know she uh, was was really like driving towards it but also you know, felt like because you know she introduced Jackson kind of a little bit later into the run mm-hmm. and you know really. It's the nature of superhero comics where, like, you know, so much is going on. You have so much to do and so little time to really tell all these different stories. Um, You know, like, she knew she wanted to do something with Jackson. It was just like, you know, I don't know if I've got time to kind of give him his own little story before, Mm. you know, we got to wrap everything up. So, uh, you know, it was just an opportunity that presented itself where they kind of said, hey, you know, um, I had had the chance to do... uh, a little story, a Batwoman story earlier in the year from mm. the DC Crimes of Passion anthology. Okay. Um, and, you know, got connected to some editors there. Um, already knew Kelly Sue because we had done the Bitch Planet Triple mm-hmm. Feature together. Um, and so, you know, it's just kind of this natural connection where they're like, hey, you know, we're looking for something to kind of put in this place here, you know, jump in and, and, and tell the story about Jackson. And for me, couldn't have been a better, you know, kind of like first, first shot at the DC universe mm-hmm. to get a chance to tell a story uh, about Jackson and and really get into all these different issues and uh, you know it was it was it was amazing because you know every time I would kind of come to them with something not necessarily expecting them to be like no you can't do that mm-hmm. uh, but more so just like um, you know I, we already have so many layers like would it could we add another layer here could we do this <laughs> could we do this you know like they would always be like yeah that sounds great like let's you know let's figure this out let's work this out. Uh, so it was never like, hey, you know, this is the story we want you to tell about Jackson. So mm-hmm. come in here, you know, we've, we've already got it written out for you, and you just kind of have to add, you know, bits and pieces yeah. around it. It was more like, this is what 
this is where Jackson is right now. Mm. You know, and like, you know, we, we would like to involve these elements somehow. So like, what's the story you think you could tell? Mm. Will all of this put together? Okay. Uh, and so, you know, kind of having that freedom to come in and, and already having, you know, pieces in place, you mm-hmm. know, not only just like Jackson's history, but yeah. also, you know, the story that Kelly Sue was telling already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was great to kind of have all of that set up for me to just add all these other layers on top of that yeah. and really like make the story uh something that i think like you're saying like if it was just this one mm-hmm. you know i i think i think we could have really told a great story just in that yeah um but you know having the opportunity to have two issues to really tell this full flesh out oh. story it's very exciting so yes i think uh you know very grateful to dc and and you know the editors alex and andrea and and of course, Kelly Sue, um, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of give me this opportunity to, to do the story um, and do it, you know, in a way that I think is going to resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you if nobody else, it's resonated with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. OK. Um, well, thank you. Thank the creative team. Thank DC, Kelly Sue. Uh, this is I'm definitely going to get my hands on these next two issues, probably a few copies so I can frame a few. Because I, honestly, <laughs> I I I loved it. Of course. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on. Please let everyone know where they can find you, uh, where they can get the book, all that good stuff. Uh, you can find me on the internet, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram at jrsosa18. So that's J R S O S A one eight. Um, and yeah, you know, I'll be around. I definitely want to hear everybody's feedback about this issue and the next issue. So, you know, feel free to hit me up and let's talk. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And of course, guys, those links will be in the show notes. Make sure to check out these next two issues, 62 and 63, family business and, um, Let's support this comic and uh, give all your feedback. Use the hashtag CBNPod. Let us know what you think about it. And uh, follow Jordan and, 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 and go from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. Yes, yes. So thank you again for coming on. I do appreciate it. I'll definitely be checking out the books. And um, come back anytime. <laughs> anytime. Yeah, I'd love to come back. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, until then, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay in those comic shops getting 62 and 63 of Aquaman. All right.